0: And so, Lord, we pray that you would bless the preaching of your word, that you would prepare our ears to hear what your Holy Spirit is saying. Lord, prepare our hearts for obedience. Lord, your word is good, and we welcome you to speak to us today. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Friends, um, there's a sermon outline scattered around... On various chairs, and if you want one and you didn't get one yet, um, look around. Um, there's a place to take some notes, and this is going to be a topical sermon. So that means that we're going to jump around from um, passage to passage, and so I thought it might be helpful if you had an outline today, and so. Um, we continue on. Why do I have so many technological advances? Like, I've got my phone. I've got the iPad. Like, how many things do I really need up here? Um, <laughs> all right. Um, we are carrying on with the um, year of discipleship and the gospel tool. And as you know, we've been covering the basics of our faith and um, the good news of the kingdom of God. And so we're being equipped, and as was prayed, that we as disciples would make disciples. And so as new creations, where we're at with this year of um, study, is that we've been made new creations in Christ when we've placed our faith in Jesus. The Holy Spirit was given to us. We've been born again. And then, we, um, as we heard last week, believers just love God's Word, and the Spirit just cultivates that love for God's Word as we grow in relationship. We heard testimony of that. And then um, today we're going to look at a two-part, like today and next week we're going to look at prayer. And so it's kind of in some ways like a false dichotomy to try to separate these out. But this week we're going to look at prayer as a rich conversation with God, And then next week, we're going to see how the work is prayer. And when we love God and we love his kingdom and we're praying, then that leads us into um, Derek, who was our worship leader this morning. is going to be preaching in a couple of weeks about how um, our love moves us into action. And so kingdom justice. This morning, we're going to um, look at one passage of scripture to start with, and then we'll unpack others as we go. I also want to tell you that I am going to um, have us reference the gospel tool, and it's going to be a little later in the sermon. So for those of you that are used to hearing it right up front, it's coming. Um, but 1 Thessalonians 5:16 to 18 says this, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Pray continually, the NIV says. Other versions say, never stop praying. Pray constantly. Pray without ceasing, the ESV says. Or the Passion Translation, make your life a prayer. So pray continually. It may sound like a big to-do, but actually it's invitation. It's warm invitation, just as we heard, if you're weary, come to me. And so, warm invitation to just continually seek the one who's pursued you. And so, the big idea of this sermon is that prayer is a rich conversation with God, which God highly values. So, um, we look at the Zyderveins and this sweet little baby over there, and it's kind of a word picture. If you think about any little precious baby that's born... They start to cry. And then eventually they start to respond to your face. Like you're in their face all the time, right? Um, Whether you're a parent or you're a grandparent or you're an aunt or an uncle or a friend. But you're in their face. And you're telling them your name. And if you're a parent, you're going, Mama, Mama. Say Dada, Dada. And you're watching and they drool and they sometimes spit up. But eventually there's that moment when they say, dada, mama. (laughs) Your heart just pounds and you call everybody you know or you've posted on Facebook like, my baby said my name. And then from beyond the mama, dada, we expect that communication is going to grow. That language is going to grow. And suddenly it turns into the temper tantrums and the, no! But then they start, and three- and four-year-olds start to ask lots of questions. And as they grow and as they develop healthy relationships, there's communication. We expect it. If it's stunted, we get help for them. Because we're made in the image of God who speaks. And so we expect this language and this communication to develop. And so prayer is conversation. God initiates it. He tells us how much he loves us. And then by his spirit, he woos us. And suddenly, Romans 8 tells us that by the spirit, we cry out, Abba, Father. We say back to him what he's been speaking to us. I'm your father. I love you. And we say, Abba, Father. And it begins that conversation. One of the um, songs that was my grandfather's favorite is He Walks With Me. For some of you that are older, um, you may remember that song. For those that are younger, I just want to tell you, it says, I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses, and the voice I hear falling on my ear, the Son of God discloses, and he walks with me and he talks with me. And he tells me I am in his own. And the joy that we share as we tarry there, none other is ever known. It's communication. Prayer is conversation. It's knowing that he says I'm your father and we agree with him. And it starts that conversation going. Prayer, number two, prayer is conversation with God. Now, for some of us who have grown up in the church, this may seem like, I know that. But stop a minute and think. We have the opportunity to speak with God. If we had the invitation to come speak to a city council member or a governor or the president of a university or the World Health Organization or the CDC or whoever you really would like to speak to right now, Whoever you would like to speak to, if you had a pass to get into the VIP office, you would be like, "Whoa, what am I going to say? Oh, I've got so much to share." Friends, we have a pass into the VIP office. We have the opportunity to speak to the Creator of the universe. Prayer is made possible by Jesus again. Think about this. We take it for granted, maybe, but think and let the revelation wash over you afresh this morning. Hebrews ten nineteen to 22. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up through us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God. Let us draw near to God. He's made a way. It was a costly way. He laid down his life to give us access into the VIP to office, to be able to walk into the Father's presence. We have the opportunity to have a conversation with God, and it's made possible by Jesus. Prayer is both the means of and the evidence of abiding and growing into restored kingdom relationship and role. By prayer, we recognize that we're being restored into relationship and role. Now, I want you to think about this. If you have a teenager that the communication has gone like, you know, like the radio is silent, you feel like there's a problem and you're concerned about the relationship. In the same way, what does your life evidence? If people could look around at your life and see where you spend your time and who you communicate with, would they see a relationship that you're going into that VIP throne room, that you're talking to your father? This is evidence And it's also the means by which we stay in relationship and we grow in relationship with God is as we spend time in prayer. And then prayer puts everything in perspective. Prayer puts everything in perspective. First Thessalonians that we opened with this morning, um, it's like bookends pointing toward the center. And so that scripture says, rejoice always. Pray continually, give thanks in everything. And I have think I've thought about that scripture like, oh, things are going hard, but give thanks. Things are going hard, but praise the Lord. And it almost feels like giving somebody something bitter and saying, why don't you say it's sweet? And that doesn't seem true. And so what is he saying when he says we can give thanks and we can praise and rejoice in all these things? But I think it's because it's pointing toward the center, which is pray continually, which means we have a relationship with the creator God who's our father. And so we can give thanks and we can praise in every circumstance. Why? Not because it is so sweet right now, but because we talk to the one who can change things. We talk to the one who orchestrates things and if it's come through his fatherly hand, then even in this, he must going to be turned something for my good. He's going to turn something for my glory. And so this is, friends, why we can rejoice always and give thanks continually because we can pray continually and we know the one who sits on the throne. It puts things in perspective. Paul wrote these words to the Thessalonian church and things weren't going so well back then. Let me tell you what was happening in the Thessalonian church. They were under search persecution, but that's partly why he was writing because he had to leave. Also, they were having difficulties within the church because some people were getting hung up on a theological question that they had and, like, that was going to be the main thing, the main thing, the main thing, and that's all they wanted to talk about, which was getting them off focus, taking a lot of time and energy away from the mission. And yet, Paul writes, give thanks, praise, but pray continually. And so, again, it helps to um, put this emphasis on prayer. And the catechism teaches us that when we pray... The Lord sends his Holy Spirit and his grace as we pray. And so as we pray, grace comes down. As we pray, the Holy Spirit starts to either change our perspective or he starts to change other circumstances around us or he helps us to see a way through it. And so as we pray, the Lord sends out his grace and he stirs the spirit within us to show us the way. Peace comes, wisdom comes, grace to bear with one another in love comes, not by might or by power, but by his spirit, says the Lord as we pray and seek him. Number three, conversation or communication is vital to all healthy relationships. So we're looking at prayer as a rich conversation. And so I thought, well, what makes for a good conversation? And so I want to talk about this for a minute. God tells us to pray in all circumstances. James 5, 13 to 16 says, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. And he goes on to say, If anybody's sick, have the elders pray. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And so conversation is important in all circumstances. And when he says, if you're in trouble or if you're happy, he's saying, in all of your life, pray. Can you say that? In all of your life, pray. 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 All right. Oswald Chambers said this, we tend to use prayer as a last resort, but God wants it to be our first line of defense. We pray when there's nothing else we can do, but God wants us to pray before we do anything at all. So the characteristics of a meaningful relationship, if conversation, if prayer is a rich conversation, what makes for a good conversation? Because I don't know about you, but I want to be a good conversationalist with the Lord. I want to be a good conversation partner. How about you? All right. So sometimes the wisdom in the world just um, kind of. Like, highlights the wisdom of God. And so, I found this article about making a, a conversation better and the qualities of a good conversation. And I thought, let's look at this and let's think about some of the prayers from scripture. So, if you want to have a good conversation and you want it to be better, be curious and ask questions. And we heard being prayed, Nick, how long, O oh Lord? How long, O oh Lord? And so the psalmist would ask questions. James told us, if any of you ask wisdom, ask, and then don't doubt. So ask questions. Don't be be afraid to go off script when you're having a conversation. And so when you're having a conversation with God, don't be afraid to go off script. Now, there's nothing wrong with memorized prayers. Um, Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Right? If I should die before I wake I pray the Lord my soul to take. All I ask for Jesus' sake. Amen. Memorize prayers. It's a beautiful thing. Dane, Dane and I got married, and he was still praying the memorized prayer before we went to bed at night. But he wasn't just praying it rotely. He also would then add whatever else was going on in our lives and pray about that, too. And so... Memorized prayers are beautiful, but don't worry about going off script. And please, please, please add in the other things so that your prayer is, like, if somebody looked at your life and what's going on, does your prayer life match the issues that are going on in your life? Give someone a compliment. That's another way to have a, be a good conversationalist. And um, one of my favorite prayers is um, where David... Wanted to build the temple for the Lord. And then the Lord said, actually, that's a really good um, goal, but it's not going to be you. It's going to be your son. And then he called for all these um, offerings to be given. And then David's prayer. He's giving God a compliment, even though God's way is different than what David's way was going to be. And he says, praise to you, Lord. The God of our Father Israel from everlasting to everlasting. I can hardly read this without crying every time I read these words. It is such a beautiful praise to the Lord. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. Friends, David realized I wouldn't have had anything to give if he hadn't given it to me. And these people would not have wanted to share, except that by your spirit you were working among them. And so sometimes we have these things on our hearts that we want to do, even for the Lord. And he says, it's going to happen a different way. Will we give compliments to the Lord? Will we praise him? Will we give thanks? He's always worthy. He's always worthy. And I think that wisdom came In the life of David, because it says he was a man after God's own heart. He spent time knowing the heart of God, and it wasn't to withdraw or hold anything back, but he had a plan to move his kingdom forward in a different way. Don't let awkward moments trip you up. In a conversation, don't let awkward moments trip you up. If you've ever been on a date and there's the awkward moment, don't know what to say next. This is the awkward moment. That I thought about in prayer. I thought about Moses and Pharaoh and the army is coming. I would like to make a skit out of this, really. All right. And Moses is saying, just don't worry. Stand still. We'll see the deliverance of the Lord. And the next thing it says, it says, and the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. All right. There's a C right here, right? Alright, and I just think there's something that wasn't recorded in scripture, but somewhere between Moses telling them it's gonna be okay, he's going, Help, 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 Lord, how's this gonna work out? There's a C right here and the and the Lord just says, Oh, quit crying out to me. Alright, so in the awkward moments, I think that was an awkward moment for Moses. What do you think? If you were the leader, would it be an awkward moment? And yet, the Lord just had a way, and he was going to tell me, so when you're in this conversation and there's an awkward moment in prayer, if the Lord gives you direction, just move on then. Just move on. All right. If you're going to have a meaningful conversation, be authentic and heartfelt. And I thought about the prayer from 1 Samuel of Hannah. And when Hannah is crying out because, remember, her husband's other wife had children and she didn't. And the one that had children was just tormenting her. And she so longed to bring honor to her husband and to have a child. And she was pouring out her heart. This is Hannah's prayer. As she kept on praying to the Lord, the priest observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard and he thought she was drunk. Anybody, have you prayed until you ran out of words and your heart is still groaning and maybe your lips are moving, but you've lost any more words to say? And she says, not so. I'm a woman who's deeply troubled. I've not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. We can pour out our souls to the Lord. Whatever's hurting, whatever is the pain that's there, he welcomes he doesn't mock. He doesn't say, oh, you've had too much to drink. He's saying, no, I long to hear every everything that you want to share because that's what makes a rich conversation. Prayer is a rich conversation. Gospel tool number 29, this thought unit says, followers of Jesus, are you on it? See, followers of Jesus always grow in the joy of direct communion with God through prayer. Prayer involves bringing worship and thanksgiving, confessing our sins, receiving forgiveness, learning to not only lament the brokenness within our lives in the world, but also to join with Jesus in his ministry of intercession. And so, this week, for those of you that are going through the gospel tool, your Bible study lesson is going to look at these different types of prayer that um, the scripture teaches us, different ways that we have this rich conversation with the Lord. Language and communication develops with practice, number four. Language and communication develops with practice, as does prayer. And so prayer can both be taught and caught. In Luke 11, the disciples said, um, one day when Jesus was praying in a certain place, when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. So if you're saying, I hear you saying there should be this rich conversation, but I don't really know how to go about it, chill out. Ask. Ask to be taught. Also, these um, Jewish men, they had been praying five times a day, so they knew a rhythm of prayer, but yet they saw something in Jesus' prayer. They saw relationships. And they said, Teach us about that. Teach us about that aspect of prayer. A father who delights in his children. And so that's the way Jesus taught him to start. Our father, who art in heaven, right? This relationship. To converse with God is one of the ways that we show love, that we receive love, and that we know one another. That we know God. And, of course, he knows all about us. Ideas for growing in prayer. I want to suggest participating in a prayer group. It's a beautiful way to learn how to pray is to listen to others pray. I did that when my children went to school and I joined a Moms in Touch group. And I said, could I just listen in? I'd like to come, but I don't feel comfortable to pray yet out loud, but I'd like to listen. I had been growing up in the church, but it sounded like everybody knew how to do it. And I just wasn't sure but my heart was really for my kids to be safe and to grow in church, in school. And so I joined a Moms in Touch prayer group. But there are prayer groups. We offer Wednesday Zoom. We pray for our church every week on Wednesday. If you can Zoom in at noon, do that. Find another place to pray with people and learn to pray. Pray the word. I want to say that if you will pray through as you read scripture, and I just love this, the way you talk to us about how that you you preach the gospel to yourself you move into worship and then you read the word and then you pray and i was like are you going into my sermon text now <laughs> my topic but really if you want to be a good conversationalist if you want to pray about m- more topics than just your own life pray the word it talks about creation it talks about government it talks about justice It talks about marriage. It talks about friendship. It talks about our personal characteristics that are supposed to grow. in God, how many things could we pray about? Just go through the Bible from the beginning to the end and then start over again. Your prayer life will be rich. It'll be moving. It'll be active. And you'll be praying what's on God's heart. And you'll be knowing him even as he knows you as you go and pray his words. So it broadens your, your prayer life to pray the word. And then there are words in scripture that you can find that fit whatever is going on. So just this past week, a pastor reached out. I need some resources on betrayal. Oh, Psalm 55. There may be some other books written, but just go to Psalm 55. Because Psalm 55 gives words and voice and how to think about it when somebody close to you has hurt you. If an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe were rising against me, I could hide. But it's you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship at the house of God as we walked about among the worshipers. These are words from scriptures. And it's saying somebody else has gone through this, and they brought the pain to the Lord, and then... Suddenly, it switches from telling about what's going on. And here it says, cast your cares on the Lord and he'll sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. And so you can almost hear in this the dialogue between prayer and God. And back and forth, we bring our needs, our hurts before the Lord. The Lord tells us what to do about it. And then at the end it says, but as for me, I trust in you. Some of you have been betrayed. Some of you have been hurt deeply by people that you love, maybe people that were are Christians and yet very hurtful. Go pray the word. Look for a circumstance that's written about in scripture, and it'll help you to give language to pray about it. You can pray about Death. When my dad was dying, my parents were divorced. My sister had left town hospice. You know, they never know how long people are going to linger. My dad had brain cancer. And anyway, my sister had left town for a trip that was already planned. My brother had a young family of four. It was a youth pastor getting ready to leave on a big youth trip the next day. And I was at hospice by myself. And I walk in, and I can hear my dad breathing down the hall. <laughs> what do you do? You pray. Because God sends his spirit and he sends grace. And so I get, my relationship with my dad was complicated. And so what do I pray and how do I pray it? And what do I say? Because they say hearing is the last sense to leave. How can I bless my dad as he's gasping for air and so I just start with Psalm 1 and I just read and I cry and I read and I cry and I make it to 9 I make it to 18 I called to the Lord who is worthy of praise and I have been saved from my enemies the cords of death entangled me the torrents of destruction overwhelm me and I'm listening (laughs) the cords of the grave coiled around me The sneers of death confronted me. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he has heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. Pray the word. The Lord sent grace. He sent mercy. I just have to believe my dad was blessed to hear the word of God over him. And it gave me words when I didn't know what to say. He'll do the same for you. Other ways to stir up prayer, to grow in prayer. Set times. Sometimes that helps. Like praying by set hours through church history. Sometimes that's helpful. I noticed you Version. if you have that Bible app, they'll send you a prayer reminder. All right. So if you need some place to start and a little help, set a prayer reminder as you go through the day, pray an arrow prayer. Um, That was one little term that used to be spoken about, like whatever's going on, like somebody just cut you off in the traffic and you go, thank you, Lord, that that didn't just hit me or um, traffic is really bad and you're trying to get somewhere that you need to be. Lord, thank you that you're here with me. Would you please just help me to be peaceful and be patient in this traffic jam? We can pray throughout our day. We pray about whatever is going on. And we also can, um, this is different than mindfulness. Mindfulness is just saying, I need to stop a minute. I'm getting anxious. I need to stop and focus on my breathing. Well, there's a good thing about calming down. But it's not Putting your attention to the one who can bring peace. And so, rather than mindfulness, I want to say pray. Focus on the Lord and let His grace and His Holy Spirit come and bring peace. Finally, um, I want to share about when you're stuck, when you find yourself stuck in a situation and you don't know how to pray. I was reminded of this. We haven't preached on this or taught on this much, and so I want to be mindful of that. But I felt like the Lord just kept bringing this story up. And so somebody, I think, needs to hear this. 1 Corinthians 14, 14 and 15 says this, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I'll also pray with my understanding. I'll sing with my spirit. I'll also sing with my understanding. Craig Keener, in his book, um, Gift and Giver, the Holy Spirit for Today, he's a New Testament theologian, professor at Northern Baptist um, Seminary when he wrote the book. And he told this story, and he said this before he told the story. He said, tongues are not primarily relational or rational. Those of us who emphasize rationality in other aspects of our faith may especially need the kind of emotional release that tongues provide. And then he told this story about a seminary student who was in New Testament class, and he was having an argument with his professor about the meaning of a verse in Philippians. And it was a heated argument, and it kept going and going. And at the end of class, he was so distraught, he left. He was so mad. He had really um, acted out in his, like, fervor to try to say he was right and he was really frustrated that the seminary professor was disagreeing with him publicly and trying to explain why his interpretation wasn't right and so he cried and he was upset like he didn't cry he was crying out to god and he started to pray in tongues and as it went he prayed in tongues for quite a while like lord why am i so upset why is this disagreement with my professor just bugging me so much And he kept praying in tongues, and suddenly the Holy Spirit started to give him the interpretation that actually he was so upset because he had had trouble with authority figures all of his life. And then as he prayed more in tongues, all of a sudden the Lord impressed on him that actually he had had trouble with his dad all of his life. And as he prayed some more, he realized he hated his dad. He had hatred toward his dad because his dad had always been too busy for him. So with this understanding, he confessed his sin that he didn't know he had. But Craig Keener explains that the Holy Spirit, when he was, when this young man was praying in tongues, praying in a prayer language it, by the Holy Spirit's inspiration, that it bypassed his rationality. And it tapped into his emotions that he didn't know he had. He wouldn't have acknowledged that he hated because that wouldn't be an okay thing to do. And so there, the Holy Spirit had unearthed something. So the seminarian goes to his professor and says, I'm sorry. And the professor said, I'm sorry too, but we'll be better friends because of this disagreement and this conversation. And then the young man tries to figure out how's he going to talk to his dad because his dad's not a believer. He prayed about it over the summer. He went home. When all the family was out of the house, he said, Dad, I'd like to talk to you. And anyway, and his dad goes, okay. And he doesn't lower the newspaper. And the son says, I'd like to talk to you, Dad, about my feelings about growing up. And I always felt like you were too busy for me. And I realized that I had feelings of hatred towards you, and I'm sorry, and I love you, Dad. And his dad keeps the newspaper up and says, That's the way all kids feel about their dad. Well, the seminarian felt like he had done what he could do. He, he brought his feelings, he confessed, and he told his dad he loved him. Later that day, the mother asked him, Son, what did you talk to your dad about? And the son said, Well, I talked to him about this, and this is the way it happened, and I understood what I had done, and I had these anger towards him. And she said, Oh, honey, that's the exact way he felt about his dad, and he never resolved it before his dad died. And she said, But I knew you had said something to him, because he's over there playing with your younger brother, and he never does this. And from that point on, their family relationships changed. And that seminarian had a close relationship with his father ever since. The Holy Spirit helped him to pray when he didn't know rationally how to think about it or what was going on. And so if you're stuck, maybe you're facing a situation where you have anger that you don't understand or frustration or whatever. It may be that the Lord wants to give you a prayer language. So that you can pray and maybe the Lord might want to bring some understanding. And if you want to talk about that later, please feel free to reach out to um, any of the staff or the prayer partners. But prayer is a rich conversation that God highly values, point five. It's a rich conversation that God highly values. And I want to tell you what happens with our prayers. The psalmist said, let my prayers come like incense before you. And in Revelation, there's this picture of the lamb and the throne room. And it says that our prayers are in the golden bowls. It says, each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. All right, number one, it's in the throne room of God himself. And then our prayers are in golden bowls. Like, you only put precious things in golden bowls. And then they're before God himself. When Dane's mom, as she aged, she used to have all these little notes around, and she would think, I'm going to sort through my stuff today kids, I'm going to sort through my stuff, and we come over, and she'd have all these little piles, like cards, and little scraps of paper, and drawings, and things like this were all in little piles around her apartment, and she said, I've just been reading everything today, and I love them all so much, I can't get rid of any of it, and so she'd put it back together and put it in a basket, and there she would keep it, because as parents, And you see that little child and they say, Mama, Dada, you love that communication. And as they grow up, you love to hear from your children. And God loves to hear from each one of you. And every word that you've said to him is held in a golden bowl. And next week we're going to talk about what happens with those prayers in that golden bowl and how that he not only cherishes them, but he moves according to them. Amen. Lord, help us to be people who love you and respond to your love in such a way that we do engage more and more in this rich conversation that you give us in prayer. And we pray this in your precious name, Jesus. Amen.